Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks so much for listening. Before we get to today's guest, Ryan Rossillo, who opens up about leaving ESPN and joining the ringer and gives us some uh, interesting inside scoop there on his decision to leave Bristol and head over to Bill Simmons' company. Let me just quickly tell you to uh, check out any podcast you may have missed in our archives. Last week was a great show. Rich Eisen from the NFL Network, Chris Mad Dog Russo from SiriusXM, and the MLB Network were both on. Both were great guests. Uh, Rich Eisen had some great Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm stories. So if you're a fan of that show, I suggest you check it out. And if you're one of my fellow New Yorkers listening to this, you you definitely want to check out the Mad Dog. Two weeks ago, Chris Fowler from ESPN was on talk about college football and uh, tennis. So Get into the archives if you didn't listen to them and check it out. Subscribe to the podcast, download it, rate it, and review it. That's enough of a sales pitch. No more time wasting. We're going to get right into the Ringer's Ryan Rossillo on his uh, recent departure from ESPN and joining the Ringer. Here's Ryan. All right, joining me now, second appearance with me on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Just made a big career move. Very popular sports media personality. Now at the ringer, Ryan Rossillo. Ryan, how's it going? I'm good, man. So like I said, big change. Uh, you are now with the ringer. You left ESPN when you're going to be doing a lot of podcasting for Bill Simmons and the ringer. I guess um, let's start with the obvious question. Why leave ESPN? Yeah, wow. Um, hmm. You know, it, it still it doesn't always feel real, you know, because uh, I'm you know, was there almost 14 years. I, you know, try to explain this to people that I think, Jimmy, you're probably similar in that same way that like I grew up on it. I mean, I watched it 
religiously. I could watch SportsCenter over and over and over again. Uh, when we were in college, we had a Halloween party. We were even dressed up like anchors, and we called Bristol, and they sent us up a bunch of banners to hang up and said, send us pictures of your Halloween party. So, you know, it was something that I wanted to do, but I, d- I didn't ever know, you know, what the path was going to be. And the first on-air job, but it wasn't even on-air. I mean, I had an internship with a CBS affiliate in Vermont where I went to school, and I thought I wanted to be an anchor. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a sports center anchor. You know, I love sports and I know sports as well as anybody. And that's what I'm going to do. And within a few months, I was like, man, this anchoring thing's kind of boring. <laughs> you know, I'd be writing yeah. the scripts, I'd be doing the editing. And I felt like the opinion stuff was something I liked a little bit more. So, you know, it'd been a few years. I, I worked with that minor league baseball team, which I've talked about. And then because of that, I was able to get a job filling in, in Boston, you know, talking Boston sports every day in a station that, you know, not too many people are listening to. So the whole point of this is that, you know, it, it started kind of carving out this little path that when I actually got to ESPN and I pulled in and I got my badge and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe I was there, you know, at 30 years old, trying out to fill in on a radio shift. And throughout that entire time, you know, I, I my buddies, you know, if they saw me in a TV hit or, you know, they'd be like, I can't believe you're actually friends with Scott Van Pelt and all these things. Like, it just felt... Uh, like a dream come true. But the whole point of me even getting there was that I was very single-minded. I was very driven. I really wasn't going to let anything else get in my way. And so once I was there, like all of us that are on air, it's always like, what's the next thing? And, and the next things were happening. You know, after a few years, it was Scott. Um, you know, Scott left for a, a much bigger deal to, to be the face of a sports center. And then I think there was some debate about whether or not I could carry the show as the headliner, um, which was always bullshit to me. And I was with Danny and we still did fine. And then, you know, we went through some, some real tough stuff, which I totally understand from a corporate side and and my friends losing their jobs. And I kind of hung out there by myself for like seven months. The show still did really well. So, um, you know, going back to December 17, when we talked about it and they were like, look, we're putting Stephen A in your slot. We're going to slide you down. And I said, well, you know, I don't really want to do that. I don't deserve it. And they were like, you know, it's just the way things work, which I totally understand because I'm sure every decision maker in the building, you know, looks at Stephen A as a bigger star than me. And I understand that. Um, I think I'm right there with him radio-wise, TV-wise. I, I can't hang with Stephen A. Uh, you know, he's, he's just a different dude who's good at TV. And I'm a guy that I think is good in the way I do things. So... You know, when all that happened, I mean, really, this isn't about leaving a couple of weeks ago. This is about leaving in December 17, because I knew once I left the radio show, I wasn't going to make myself as valuable to the company. And I was going to put myself in a situation where I really went December 17 is when I felt like I left ESPN. But mm-hmm. I still had time left in my contract. And instead of not working, we did the podcast. And the podcast ended up being one of the two best podcasts at ESPN. So then I got resigned last summer. And that was after I'd already lived in L.A., I'm pursuing another career, which is something that I have to do in my spare time. And, you know, that's really what my focus was on in that whatever landing spot I would have, I would have to have the freedom to pursue writing. And ESPN still made some offers this summer. They didn't really feel like there was much of a plan. Um, In a way, I feel really lucky that ESPN still wanted me around enough to kind of extend me. Uh, They even offered me an extension back in December 17 for three years to keep me around. So it wasn't really hard feelings. It was just that I knew Bill had a plan. I knew Bill knew I was crushing it. And I think I ended up doing a lot better than a lot of people thought I would do on my own. And Bill 
spend five minutes with me talking about the plan. I went, okay, this is what I want to do. And um, that's pretty much it. So it, it's really, it's not about, oh, I finally, you know, wanted to leave ESPN. It was that I was that psyched to, to go to the ringer and go work for somebody who I think understands that, that I'm one of the bigger voices. You said a lot there. I have a lot of follow-ups. Um, one, one, one quick thing staying on this that, from an outsider looking at it myself that I found interesting was I wasn't when the announcement came down, I wasn't completely shocked because you were working for the ringer and ESPN at the same time, which I always thought was pretty amazing that ESPN would allow that considering they're usually um, pretty territorial. Uh, But the one thing I found a little bizarre in this whole thing was that it wasn't long before you went full-time to the ringer and left ESPN, you and Van Pelt had, decided to do, well, I don't know if you guys decided, but there was a new podcast with you guys. Obviously, you had this enormous popularity on the radio um, for all those years, and then you guys came out with a podcast, but I guess you only did a handful of episodes because then you went to the ringer. What was the deal with, like, was that, I mean, did you know the writing was on the wall when you started that podcast with SVP, or how did, I mean, it was a. It seemed like a weird deal that that came about, and then you left so shortly after. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. Uh, to me, it, Scott and I still are, are kind of like uh, befuddled by that one because, um, you know, we had talked about it. We were like, hey, look, instead of just stopping by, let's figure out something. Let's do a once a week thing. We can have it be its own feed. We can have it be in my feed. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I'm, you know, I struggled with some of the ego stuff early on with Scott where, you know, everybody just thought early on, like I was his buddy that they didn't want on the air. And, you know, it, there was always kind of some holdover stuff with that. And I resented that. But like this time around, I was like, I don't care if they call it the Scott super fantastic happy hour. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, right. let's just do a podcast together and crush it and have fun because we'd be talking the phone for like an hour on Saturdays during college football season. Anyway, let's just make it a podcast. Right. And I think Scott and I, even through the six years doing the radio show, here we are like four years removed from it, and people still bring it up. People stop us to talk about it. And then we started doing the pod, and it was like, you know, in a weird way, I was like, man, this thing, this thing was really popular. And then the numbers come in, and the first three, we only did three episodes, and the first three downloads doubled up the best podcast at ESPN. Right. That's- <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, but I, I said, Hey, you know, just a reminder here, like, I want to do this. And if you're asking me to do it because we wanted to do it, they were like, absolutely do it. I go, you know, I'm just up in a couple months and, you know, I just, and they're like, oh, you know, you know, we'll figure out, we'll figure it out. I was like, all right, no problem. And then, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, it was going to be right up there with, with any of the biggest sports podcasts in the country. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like it was indifference. Which, you know, it's one thing when there's indifference towards me, but, I'll, you know, Scott's a whole whole other tier. So You mean indifference yeah, from... Say, hey, you do mean, it. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'm you like, mean... Just a reminder. Okay, no problem. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And then, you know, a couple of weeks before the contract expired, we were like, all right, I guess this is it. And so we did that last one reminiscing over memories. But, I mean, the right. staying power that that radio show has had four years removed and the popularity that it still has... And the download numbers, I mean, absolutely blew it out of the water. I'm like, whoa. And I don't, yeah, that one, I, look, it's not a criticism. I just, to me, I, I would never understand why somebody wouldn't want to be like, hey, why don't we just keep this thing going that is clearly going to be 
really successful. Who who, but, who do you think? Um, like, you know, is that just higher ups that are not? Um, what's that? Is that higher ups at ESPN who are not on top of that? Who who are the people there? That, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah. You know, because look, at the end, there was nothing ever nasty about it. You know, there really wasn't. And, and like I said, like the two, the 2017 December one was the one that was like, okay. Like, I'm walking out of here, and here's my last show, and you're never coming back. And then I think I came back like six times. I think I had like six <laughs> different times where I left Bristol going, this is probably the last time I'll ever step foot on campus. Right. <laughs> and then it finally happened. But, uh, you know, the great thing about it at the end was was I started hearing some things from um, from people that I really liked that are in management that were like, look, you know, we, we could have done some things differently. And I was like, yeah, I could have too, you know, and I wish – you know, you can't really know until you're older where you go, yeah, you know, I could have done this. And, you know, one thing I'd always tell younger on-air people is, you know, go and make a human connection with the decision makers because mm-hmm. in a big corporation, there's a lot of people that have been put on your career. And if you just put your head down and think you're going to work hard, and even if you get ratings, like it doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. need that human connection. And ESPN is no different than any other place. And I never did that. I, I connected with the people I needed to connect with. And then I just thought like, well, everybody else who makes decisions should probably just respect the fact that I get good numbers and that I work really hard at this. Right. And instead they're like, what, what is this guy like off? Is he socially awkward? Like what the hell is his problem? So, you know, I was talking with somebody about those kinds of things and, and the person was like, yeah, you know, whatever, you're right, maybe, but you know, we could have done some things better with the whole thing. So I, I kind of felt like there was this closure where um, we were, we were on the same page, but I just, I don't know. I, I really don't have an answer. Like no one ever explained to me like, Hey, you know, here's where we're at with you. And, you know, here's kind of where we're at. And I was like, ah, all right. And then, um, I, the, the Scott thing really had no, I could have not done any of the Scott podcasts, And I still think that it would have been the same ballpark offer plan. So that, I guess they felt like it was just sort of an add on. And hmm. I, I don't know. I, the thing was going to do huge numbers. Yeah, So absolutely. I, I, yeah, I thought that was just such a strange deal. Like you said, cause I, it, came and went so quickly uh, did you I, I, and i think it's important what you said there and if anyone out there is young and listening and trying to get into this game um i couldn't agree more with what you said about you know you, you still need to make some sort of connection and politics is a big part of this business unfortunately i'm, I'm curious did you have any relationship with jimmy pataro the president of espn yeah i mean jimmy was probably like when he took over, I sent him an email and kind of outlined where I was at. Cause I was like, I was up in a couple months and I mean, he probably, we had a couple mutual friends that said, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll appreciate that. <laughs> but there's probably part of him being like, yeah, you know, like I'm at lunch with Roger Goodell right now. So I'm not super worried about <laughs> your podcast, which, um, <laughs> you know, if I were Jimmy Pataro, I would probably be like, Hey, I, I appreciate this guy's effort, but um, it was a little beneath my priority list today. And and that was fine. You know, he was great. He was great. But, I mean, the, the conversations weren't going to go much. You know, he wasn't going to be like, hey, let me know if you're let me know if you're getting Trent Dilfer on the show on Friday so I can download, you know. Right. Um, and, I, you know, I had a really good relationship with Connor Shell and, and Trog Keller will always be one of my favorite guys. Um, same for Dave Roberts and, and Rob Savinelli. Um Marsha Keegan who came over to radio and you know, everybody was like, it was really just one of those things. Like once I left the radio slot, man, and there's no other slot, you devalue yourself because it's hard to replace the value you have to a company when you're on three hours a day and the digital part of it 
and also three hours a day on TV. So you're basically free content to be doubled up on television. And so now you start adding it all up. It's like 30 hours live. And then it's another however many hours, however they want to cut up the podcast. And then, you know, all these other things that are connecting to it. Like when you get your name on something, you become just more valuable by just sheer airtime. So when you walk away from that, they're not going to be in a hurry to go, hey, we'd love to pay you for the same, you know, we want to pay you the exact same amount with all the security and let you live wherever you want and do a 90-minute podcast once a week from your living room. So I I totally got it. You know, right. I, I totally got it. And really this, this conversation, I feel like it's getting a little repetitive only because I've, I've done it before. But, yeah. you know, Bill at the ringer was just like, look, I – I can make this work with you doing three pods and you know, let's, let's go. Right. And I loved working with him this last year. I mean, I knew I liked Bill. We knew we got along. We've known each other a long time, but Bill's, uh, Bill's a guy that, you know, I've known casually and then it started picking up the last couple of years. And then we start doing these podcasts together and, you know, to sit at his house and get, din- we watch the game, get dinner with the family and then go out in the back guest house and bang up these podcasts. And you just kind of knew like, wait a minute, this is, something's clicking here like this is incredible the chemistry is really good and the numbers were outstanding so you know I, I, I look at it this way I mean the biggest thing is like I always wanted to be whatever I'm going to do I'm going to try to be the best at it and it was very clear to me that there was a ceiling at ESPN and for all the talk of like hey maybe we'll do a little this do a little of that and over the last year none of the things happened okay none of them happened and that's okay but it's up to me to either decide I'm okay with this and stop bitching or move on. I guess the question is there, though, why do you think they didn't happen? Uh, you know, my, the thing I've, I've always said, I, I always thought like I was the mailroom on-air guy, okay? So instead of the mailroom guy that works his way up right out of college and becomes an executive where everybody's so proud of that guy, I think for an on-air person, you're looked at as kind of a clown, you know? where like we never had to go grab you from another big network. We never had to grab you out of a big market like New York or LA. You know, I didn't write, I didn't play, I didn't coach. And I really doubt there'll be many people that ever get their name on a radio show the way I did coming up the way I did, because the thing evolved where the only people getting radio gigs were somebody, somebody who was already a star before, which I, by the way, completely understand from management and sales standpoint is that it's very hard to just go, Hey, we think this person's awesome and super talented and go sell the show but nobody's ever heard of him. He's been filling in on Saturday nights and he goes and sleeps across the street at 4 a.m. and he comes back in the next day. And like, that's what I was doing. I was grinding. And I don't think there'll ever be another person that has that grinding for however many years and then gets an opportunity on a show and then builds its way up. Like you have to almost be ready-made name-wise to get a show at ESPN. And I'm talking like a five-day-a-week show. I'm not talking about the weekends. You know, I'm not talking about... You know, like we know the the slots, the main slots. Right. I just don't think you're ever going to get those in the way that I went about it. And I, that's what I thought you did. And now it's it's kind of it's changed where things are, are a little quicker. But there still has to be like somebody who is completely on you. There has to be somebody in the room, and this isn't just at ESPN. There has to be somebody at the room who's making the decisions in the room, making the decisions who is, has your back, where their success is tied to your success. And I don't know that I ever really had it because I was this guy that was just filling in for three years. Like nobody found me. Nobody, I sent in a resume tape. They were a mess with their scheduling. People were constantly screwing up the scheduling and they were like, Oh, that idiot will drive down here from Boston for two hours. <laughs> so there was, there was nothing about me that was this big thing other than, Oh yeah, that guy. 
And like, you know, in the beginning with Scott and I, we were on ESPN two and Scott was off a lot because of the sports center thing. I mean, the guy was working an insane schedule and I'm sure some executives are like, who's this guy in the extra baggy button down sitting in the Mike and Mike studio by himself talking for two hours today? Like, who is this guy? Like, what are we doing? And I don't know that anybody ever listened to what I had to say or thought I was good enough. And I think whatever the first impression of me was as a talent there was never impressive enough for them to buy in, despite the fact that, you know, look, man, I'm going to stick up for myself here a little bit, but I know what my numbers were and they were, they were really good and they were very competitive with other stars right well and see, i know what my podcast just did this past year and certain times i was like the number two downloaded podcast with a brand new feed that started in a year right. one week i was on four different shows and they were the four top episodes in the country it was me with simmons me with part of my take me with Woj, and then my show nobody else is doing that nobody right. is on all these different platforms fitting in with different styles of shows and adapting the way i can adapt okay nobody else does that and Woj who calls me after I go on his first podcast and goes, you're the number two downloaded guest of anyone I've ever had. I went out again a few months later. He goes, hey, guess who's number one now? Me. So I don't know. I mean, well, that's why you go, like I said before, you either go, hey, I'm going to keep complaining about this stuff all the time, which I did way too much of, or you just say, all right, man, like, look, move on, move on. Right. And, you know, again, like this, none of this, this isn't, none of this is nasty. It really isn't. Like, I'm not mad at any of the guys over there. I'm just not. Right. Because you get old enough where you go, this is such a waste of time complaining and being upset about this stuff. But if you're not happy being a tier two guy at ESPN, then you need to move on. And if I was only going to be a tier two guy, that's fine too. Like of all the people who said, yeah, he's not really a star, but I just felt like over the years, different opinion people were getting all sorts of chances. And it was very clear even with this extra year added on, that those chances were not coming. And if I'd resigned for another year, I think it would have been another year in limbo. Right. And instead, I'm going to kick ass with Bill Simmons and kick ass with my podcast and pursue these other things in in Los Angeles. Right. And the, and the piece of the puzzle, and this will be the last thing on ESPN, then we'll get on to the ringer, because I do have a bunch of questions about the ringer. This is the last thing on ESPN. That, for me, as someone who sort of covers media, consumes media, works for a media company and follows all this stuff closely. That's the piece of the puzzle that just makes no sense and doesn't fit at all here is I would not consider you a tier two guy. I would consider you a tier one guy. I know how popular your podcasts were there. I know what the success of your show with SVP was on the radio. I know you want to add, you know, you mentioned, you know, Woj, PMT, et cetera. I know when you came on my SI Media podcast last year, I know those numbers were better than almost any other one I did last year. So it's it's very rare that ESPN has missteps and that ESPN makes obvious mistakes and this seems like one as an observer so that it's just it's so strange to me that there wasn't the appreciation that you would think you would get given this is a numbers-based business no matter how you cut it and your numbers were there so that that is what is so hard to sort of grasp in all this you know another thing i would add is i should have said how good my numbers were literally every fucking day sometimes you have to do that you have I to just yeah. it's radio one oh one. And instead I thought like, oh, just do a good job. Everybody'll see it. People see the billing. And it's just not the way it works. The right. best thing you can do is just tell everybody you're the fucking best. Even if it's not true. It sometimes it, <laughs> it sometimes it works. It's true, man. Yeah. No, so listen, sometime you it's a listen, it's a tough balance because you don't want to come across as a dick to your coworkers. But I mean, listen, I know back in the days when I was writing hot clicks, I mean I would I would talk about the numbers often, and I'm sure it was a turnoff to a lot of people, but you know, you have to make people aware of what's going on. 
Yeah, it really, it really is, you know, like this job isn't about being right. This job isn't about, like I love when an NBA GM hears me say something. Like, you know, I go and get up for a week, right? right. I get texts from guys in the front office. You know, I get, I get a text from somebody in the league and, you know, hell, I remember getting a text from an NFL agent um, and they'd be like, how are you the only one making any sense right now? And I'd be so proud. And then I would see somebody say like the dumbest shit ever <laughs> and it would blow up. Yep. And then all of a sudden that guy's on like 10 shows. <laughs> that's, so, yeah. You know, yeah. that's how it works. If, if that's what, the, you know, that's, that's the thing too. Like, you know, sometimes I get so annoyed with hearing every athlete talk about how terrible his life is now. And you just go, we'll do something else then. Right. And that's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of what you're doing, let's talk about the ringer a little bit. Um, Obviously, you talked about your relationship with Bill Simmons, and you're you're doing a podcast three days a week, the Ryan Rosillo podcast. Uh, was it Monday, Wednesday, Friday? If I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep. And we got we got to talk about Chris Long because I listened to that, and and he's great. Um, but and and you said you know leaving ESPN not nasty and all that stuff. But I am curious. I would imagine though when you leave ESPN and you go to somewhere like The Ringer, which one is similar to SI in that there's no. Uh, you're not in bed with any of the leagues, so you have a freedom from that standpoint, and you can pretty much say what you want at the ringer. Uh, I, I would imagine that freedom is something you are appreciating greatly. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, if you know me, I, I, I'm going to be the same exact person. I mean, I'm the exact same person off the air as I am on the air. I never once, I mean, for all this conspiracy bullshit about ESPN and what we can and can't say, it's so dumb. It's so inaccurate. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, that's the one thing I kind of didn't like about being in the media because I go, man, if I'm talking about all these players, and these teams this way, but then I look at all the stuff that's wrong about what's going on here at ESPN, I can't fathom how dumb I must sound sometimes, right? So, you know, hey, make sure you say this or don't say this about the NFL, um, whether it's the politics thing, which, you know, I think if you grew up in sports and you got into sports broadcasting, you can still do the job without getting into politics, but I just don't think some people can help themselves. And I think there's a... There's a, a social media approval thing that's really addicting where people are like, I want to say something that I know politically everybody will agree with, so I'm just going to say it. Everybody's going to love me for like four hours on Twitter, um, even though it ended up being a small, like concentrated group of people. And so, I, you know, the only time I ever got, I'm trying to think, like, I, I, I seriously can remember, like, any time I ever got reprimanded for saying something on the air. I remember one time I mentioned a rural area where they were really mad about a call in a game. And I said, oh, I was surprised they had electricity. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was really stupid. Right, right. Um, I'm not going to say what it was. And George Bodenheimer was in the car listening. Right. <laughs> I got a call. I was like, hey, you're a national host now. That's really stupid to say. Right. Well, you and knew, I was like, you, oh, okay. And George was great because he's like, by the way, I keep up the good work, but that was stupid. Your okay. new boss famously um, got in trouble for saying Roger Goodell is your your new boss famously got in trouble for saying Roger Goodell is a liar. So I, it, I don't I don't necessarily think. Listen, you've been doing this long enough, and you know what to say, what not to say. I mean, you're a pro at this. I don't think it's a matter of you getting on a live mic at the ringer and just letting it all flow. But you don't even you don't have to have anything in the back of your head. Maybe you didn't have that at ESPN, and I'm wrong. I know I. I I left SI for a couple of years and went to Fox and you know, they have all these deals with the, with the leagues and you were made aware of that. So I don't know, maybe ESPN's a little different from that standpoint, but I would assume at the ringer, there's zero filter as opposed to ESPN where maybe it's in the back of your head, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you never really sure. I, look, I could do that, but you know, I think the number one rule with this, when you're an opinion guy is 
And you have to get a little bit older, I think. I think you're just going to be more seasoned as a person. And I'm not trying to sound all spiritual here, but no, you know, right. I would be different at yeah. 30 than I am now just because I've been around longer. And the number one rule is, you know, you don't really want to make it personal. You don't, like, you can say, this sucks, or I can't believe this guy did this, and here's why I disagree, or here's why I don't believe this guy. But you're not just going to sit there and be like, this coach is a fucking asshole, and let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I <laughs> imagine other than a few swears dropped in on the ringer, right. I don't think the podcasts are going to be that different okay. um, because they were successful before. So I'm, I'm not really going to change it. I think the, the whole ESPN controlling, oh, do more of this, do that. I mean, yeah, there's, there's pre-show meetings on like what's working or what isn't. But the only time you ever really get in trouble at ESPN, and I'm not even talking about the political landscape because that's a, that's a whole different thing, but I'm saying like the origin mm-hmm. of the job. Like we used to have, we used to have signs up in ESPN radio that said, um, you know, no politics, no religion, you know, this, 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 and, and you just go, you know, what's the, like, just, just stick to the headlines, stick to the hits and just keep, you know, like the only time anybody's like, why did you do that segment? It'd be like, cause that was a stupid segment, you know? Um, I mean, no offense to college basketball, but like, if you're sitting there on a, on a college, if you're sitting there on NFL Monday, and you go, oh my God, Villanova just because this awesome recruit. Like somebody's going to go, do you have any idea how to do this job? Right, so right. the controlling the narrative with the business partners and all that kind of stuff, like it was always pretty simple. Criticize the league, but don't get nasty about it. Don't make it personal. Right. And if you were going to do a show five days a week that was always critical of the NFL, then maybe you were going to do that. But that's just not what I was going to do because right. I, you know, I don't feel that way. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. So, so as we mentioned, you had successful podcast at ESPN. Now you're going to be doing a podcast three days a week for The Ringer. Your boss, Bill Simmons. Well, I don't, I don't know if I should say your boss, but Bill Simmons, who runs he's the Ringer. He's my boss. Yeah, That's yeah. Fine. I, I'm he's, okay with that. He's pretty much the 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 goat of podcasting, and sort of um, 
led the way on all this. So I'm curious what Ryan Rosillo thinks makes a good podcast. What are your goals for to make a good podcast? What do you think listeners want to hear? Whoa, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, like a talent question. Um, I'm trying to pick up some tips. I think whenever you get people telling the best stories, that's always number one. Uh, the thing I didn't like about radio more and more is that it always felt like once the interviews got going, that's when you had to say goodbye. Yes. And I think there's room for some way for the, the networks, the national networks, to figure out the clock to allow the long-form interview. And I don't know, the affiliates are going to have to adapt to it. I, 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 don't, I don't like how everything's been turned into, okay, let's get the... Like, I used to love... You know, hey, Buster only's coming up for the trade deadline. Let's go rapid fire seven, eight minutes. But the best interviews are when you get guys telling stories and on a phoner for seven or eight minutes, it's nearly impossible. I don't care how good you are as a host. Yep. Levitard's pretty good at it. Um, no, he's really good at it. Dan Patrick Ozor is really good at it. But sometimes if you're taping, you're allowed more freedom and then you can kind of edit in what you want to do. But like, we had... You know, Chris Long's going to be on with me every Monday, right? Yep. So we're, we're, we're at an advantage because we're friends. So we're already past all the, the BS of warming up to each other for a few weeks because we're texting each other constantly about everything, and the guy's super into it. And so we're breaking down week one, but then I go, hey, you know, it's Chris, so make sure we get some sort of story. So I'm like, okay, what's the, the hardest you ever went on a plane ride home? And he's like, oh, okay, remember this win? I think we said San Francisco. Yep. And he goes, it was a further flight. And he's like, and all the D linemen had like crown apple, crown apple or something. And he's like, I was totally dehydrated, played every single snap on defense. And then he's like, I fell down in front of Coach Fisher, and we were laughing our asses off. And you know what? Like that's the kind of stuff. If you can get somebody doing that kind of stuff, I'm not saying Chris is going to bring that every Monday. He probably could, but um, you have to have something that kind of stands out because you either got to be an information person like Woj, um, you have to be a great storyteller. But again, like. If I'm doing three a week, I can't tell a story about me every single podcast right, for the right. next two years. Like that's I don't I don't care who you are, you might not have that many stories. But I really think that storytelling is lost on radio the way we know radio now. Mm-hmm. And that's where podcasts are I think, you know, gaining if not surpassing in, in some way. And then I think you know, you have to keep people uh you know, I have some opening rant stuff. I mean, I'd lose some solo ones for 40 or 50 minutes, and I wonder, oh, my God, is this terrible or is this even funny? And then I try to do some different features. Like, you have to like, – audio is very weird in that. Like, think of think the way you listen to things. Like, you'll be listening to somebody for two minutes, and then they play a piece of sound, or there's some sort of break, or just a stupid sound effect. And it's like we're all dogs, and we just sort of just move our heads quickly, like, oh, no, now I'm supposed to pay attention. It's like cereal. Cereal was brilliantly produced – because they just do a little piano riff and all of a sudden you're locked in again. And that's why everybody started doing that. Right. It's just a real natural reaction. So you have to find ways of, I'm the most long winded person ever here. Um, you have to find ways to keep that listener engaged because keeping people's attention now is, is harder than it's ever been. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating battle because I agree with everything you said. And like you said, you have to keep the listener engaged but you also, when you have a guest on, especially by phone, it's so hard. You need to sort of build that rapport to where after 10, 15 minutes, then that person's comfortable and then the stories come flowing in. It's like you said, you, to get something done in 10 minutes is, is impossible, especially when uh, you probably don't run into this as much. But if you want to have an athlete on and they're athlete on and they're hawking some awful product and they got to you know work those plugs in, then it's then it's a real disaster. 
Yeah, the athlete um, thing got worse and worse. Yeah. As as I well, I think maybe I just started realizing how bad my interviews were. I mean, I make this joke <laughs> all the time. Where. No, I'm just randomly picking a name here, but you know, we'd be on game night. We'd do that six-hour show from seven to one a.m., and we would just watch Saturday night baseball. I mean, think about this: ESPN's Saturday night show would be six hours. This is on radio. That's crazy. From seven to one, and we would read baseball highlights, Oof. and that was good. <laughs> like we were psyched about it. We thought we were kicking ass. Yeah. And then you know, Colorado would have a walk-off win, and the producer would be like, "Hey, we got Preston Wilson." And then everybody like, holy shit, really? We got Preston Wilson on a phoner? Wow. This fucking segment's going to kill. Yeah. You know? And then we'd be like, tell us what you were thinking, Preston, on that too, too. <laughs> Looking back on that now, I would, I would look at the producer and go, I don't want to, I don't, like, nobody wants to listen to this. Right. So, you know, things, right. we were going to Sosa at bats on the network for his home run chase and nobody liked Sammy Sosa anymore. And I remember that was when it first started kind of turning where we were like, Hey, nobody even likes this guy anymore. Why are we doing this? And, you know, segments became more about, you know, opinion. And that's the thing. Like, you set yourself apart. Maybe anybody can sit there and throw to a St. Louis Cardinals double play. Right. And, uh, you know, I think over the time that I was at ESPN, all those things evolved. And it's evolving now because radio is trying to figure out a way to keep up with podcasting. And I don't know if the technology will allow it. Or I wonder sometimes if there'll be a shift back where people go, you know what, I'm sitting sick of listening to things that are taped and i want to go back to live and in the moment radio so, I, I you know i don't know i i'm a serious guy i'm a howard stern guy i, I don't know how anyone can listen to terrestrial anything on terrestrial radio i just don't it, it is rough i mean the commercials are every five minutes it, it's a and now you have podcasts like you said where you know people go an hour and a half it, it it's I, I don't know uh, the future terrestrial radio at least seems I mean, I don't know. Young people don't listen to radio anyway. But I'm just curious with The Ringer. You're doing the podcast three, three days a week. I know The Ringer does all sorts of other things. Are you doing anything else or is it just the podcast for right now? No, we're going to do some other things. Like, I, you know, some short video stuff that um, Bill's let me write. And, um, you know, just trying to do some funny things. Like, I have, a, I have kind of a, a concept that I mean, he and I were on the phone talking about the other day. But it's just a matter of if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to want it to be really great. And if we tape it and I watch it, and I don't think it's great. Then I'm not going to want to do it. Right. I'm not going to want to release it. But I've, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of things that he and I are working on. So yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a ringer employee. I'm a, if you work I'm with a ringer that. employee for the next two years, and I'm I'm pumped about it. You know, this to me when people like I saw some people at uh, at the Texas LSU game this past weekend in Austin, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh hey, I heard you know, and I go, hey whoa, I'm like this is this is a positive man. And, you know, I know yeah. when you're at the top for like a guy like Bill, as long as he is, I mean, you're always going to take all these arrows and stuff. But I'm telling you right now, I've never worked for anyone that has the combination of creativity and also ability to lead. It'd be like, you know, I joke that his Grantland staff was like the 94 Expo. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, it's very rare. It's very rare that yeah. you can be that good at content, writer, audio. TV stuff, all of that stuff. And then you're like, Oh, Hey, I have a vision for this company. And you know, I mean, he sits there and goes, Hey, what do you want to do? I go, I think I want to try this. And he's like, all right, cool. Go ahead and do it. And then that's it. I mean, that's an incredible amount of freedom and trust to have. And it's, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's awesome to have kind of like one, two people that I have to talk to. Are you working with Mallory Rubin at all? Cause she's the best just so you know. 
Yeah, she is. She's, She's awesome. I know yes. her approval rating is through the roof. Yes. And I got to do uh, part of a live podcast with her out in Vegas. And I was actually, I think, out of place on that one because they did a kind of power rankings of best snack foods. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't as prepared as they were for that what, one. So what's your number one? What's your number one snack food? Mine? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to be pretty boring on this. Not that I'm some, I get overrated as, as somebody that's like this amazing eater. I'm definitely eating less pizza now in LA because it sucks for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I definitely miss being in the Northeast. Um, number one snack food. God, this is terrible. Yeah, you really weren't really prepared. Great, you weren't prepared for that podcast. For yeah. You were not prepared for that podcast, it seems like. But, <laughs> Still not. Yeah, clearly. You didn't even pick anything up while doing it. Uh, Mallory is one of my all-time favorite coworkers, so you're in good hands. Um, we've, we've made it 35 minutes, and I haven't brought up Pam Beasley. Do we want to fight about that for a minute, or you think we did that all already? And- oh, look, I will, I will go toe-to-toe with anybody, and, and I'll win. It's just a matter of whether or not you accept it. I'll say this. I'll, so. say, I'll say this. I, I, I think you're so harsh on Pam. She's lovely. But in keep in watching the series over and over, which I do, just because I'm, I I know everyone um, has you know young people can't fathom that old people like me watch TV, but it's always on Comedy Central and it's on a bunch of so I I'm always watching it. I'll give you this: I love I love them and I love Pam. She's great. I, I would say this: if you're gonna say that anyone became sort of a dick in the later years, it's really Jim more than Pam. All right, but see, this is this is what happens. Go ahead. I made one statement. I said Pam's the worst. Right. Okay, based on personality. Now, the irony of the whole thing is, I think Jenna Fisher's the best actor actress on the entire show. Um, I mean, you could argue, you could argue yeah. Dwight, but Dwight gets to play like a. I think it's harder to be an actor and actress where you're sort of playing it straight as opposed to playing this like detached human being, mm-hmm. and so like that's. I think to be the detached person, to be Dwight's an easier role. Jenna's timing on stuff, her smiles, like I've watched the show way too much. Yeah, She's so natural. I'm kind of surprised like more stuff hasn't happened for her because she can fit in like plug and play and all these different things. Like, and I know, look, I know Carell is, is like off the charts. So maybe, maybe I should put her at number two now that I'm thinking about loud. Yeah. So when I say Pam Beasley's the worst, I didn't also say Jim Halpert's the best. <laughs> so every Pam defender comes back at me with this bullshit about how much Jim sucks. I'm not debating you on Jim. What I'm telling you is that when you binge watch the show right. and you see Pam's tendencies, she sucks. So when Jim says, I have a crush on you, he's like, oh, uh, she starts smiling. And he's like, what? She's like, oh, I kind of thought you did. Isis him. When <laughs> he comes back and he's like heartbroken about it. And she's like, hey, we'll always be friends. Dissed again. Earlier in the first season when he's dating Katie, the bad girl. She's like, hey, you can have her call you direct. All right. Then she makes out with him. Then she tells on him. And then Roy almost kicks his ass. And then, you know, whether it's Michael and her mom, which I understand her being upset, but boy, didn't Pam love that gossip until she found out it was her mom. And by the way, she actually had two different moms in the show because the first one couldn't stand her. So, look, I mean, the list, I don't even have to go to page two I was gonna of say, 30, but when you binge watch this, you realize that Pam Beasley has major character flaws where she was America's darling when you only were exposed to her for 22 minutes a week. I lo- First of all, that sounds like it, you have that rant down pat memorized, which is pretty impressive, I must say. I, but again... Yes, she has character flaws because guess what? Every human has character flaws. You're high, you're holding her to a standard that does not exist. Yes, 
she had some issues early on because she was engaged to that jerk Roy. She fixed it. She got it right. She was ended up with her soulmate. That's what matters in the end. People have flaws. You gotta, you gotta. What matters is what happens in the end. In the end, her and Jim were meant to be, and that's what happened. Right, but like, are you one of those guys that say? Jim bought a house without asking her. That's ridiculous. Have you bought a house? That's ridiculous. Like, have you bought a house? Like, I remember I was going through a relationship where I was buying a house, and then like, somebody was like, "Well, you know, the person wasn't sure if you were committed enough." You know, like, really? Spending my life savings on a fucking house <laughs> wasn't a sign. I- and then, and then she lifts his house without asking. So let me just get this straight. He buys her a house. Look, it's not like she was making a ton of money anyway. So, you know, unless she had battled it out for Roy's invention later on, I, you know, look. But then she yeah. lists his without saying anything, and he's cool with it? Listen, I he, mean, the list is so long. He's man. the one who's it's, out it's, of it's, line It's a tough there. argument. I've noticed a pattern, yeah. too, with the guys that kind of defend her. I don't, I haven't been able to hone it in yet, but yeah. there seems to be, like, some similarities. I need to do more research on this, of the people that actually defend her. My favorite thing, though, was uh, there was a female sports reporter uh-huh. that was really upset with my Pam is the worst tweet, which, again, all this shit is tongue-in-cheek. And she goes, oh, typical male can't handle a strong female character. And I wanted to be like, hey, you know, it was, was, wasn't a real documentary, right? And I don't think it was was a TV show. And I don't consider her a strong female character. Like she got stronger, like season six, but yeah, she was pretty, I think that was part of her evolution or evolution is that she was weaker earlier on. And then, you know, when she says, stop calling me Pammy. Can we know the name of the female sports reporter who said that? No way. I'm not saying. I actually, I totally forgot. I just, it was one of those things like in 2019 where you go. Right, right. I thought this tweet would be safe, but we found a way to make it. Nothing safe. About social issues. Nothing is safe. No. Nothing is safe. Have a nice day is not safe anymore. That's where we're at. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. 
Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. All right. I appreciate you coming on, Ryan Rosillo. Now at the Ringer, the Ryan Rosillo podcast, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mondays with my with our good buddy Chris Long there, who uh, did a lot of writing for SI. And uh, I, I tell you one thing, you know, I don't want to like keep kissing his ass, but you know this, and I'll, I'll just say because he's coming on. Like this guy cares so much about what he's doing. It's it it's amazing to see an athlete really put that much work and thought into the non football stuff that he's doing. It's pretty impressive. So when he was writing those Game of Thrones recaps, yeah. not on all of them, yeah, but every now and then he would he'd be FaceTiming me, and it'd be like midnight here, right. and I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing? He's like, I just want to, and he'd read me like a paragraph, yeah, and he'd be like, you know, I'm not wording this right. Can you help me now that I'm a writer? Right, everybody's reaching out, <laughs> and uh, that was a joke. Just kidding. Thank you for laughing, <laughs> but. He cares so much. Like all day on Sunday, when we're getting ready for the first week one recap on Monday, he's like, "Okay, I'm thinking this." He's like, "All right, which game are you watching? Because if you're watching that game, then I can get on this game." I go, "Oh, I'm like, dude, it's awesome. Do all the work you need to do, but trust me, as somebody who's done this for a really long time, you are going to prep. And it's great that you're like a prep freak. But what I had to learn was as a prep freak that you're not going to use most of this stuff. Right. Right. So you can listen to me now, or you can just do it the way that you feel comfortable going into the beginning. And the guy, you're right. I've worked with so many athletes where just, you know, I could even like the guys, but sometimes you'd be like, Hey, what do you want to do? Like, Oh man, I'm good to go on anything. Like, no, there has to be one specific thing you want me to tee up on. Like, nah, man, I'm cool. I could just roll. Then I realized like, Oh, this guy doesn't watch anything. He doesn't care. He just wants to get out of the house. And that's why he comes up here for 48 hours. (laughs) He, he, um, yeah, it it was, it was really, he definitely, so the whole game of Thrones thing, not to toot my own horn was my, but like we said, you got to do this. That was all my idea and I got him to do it and I was his editor, but he lost so much respect for me when he found out I don't watch the show. And I was like, I don't, I knew you'd be good writing these recaps. I don't need to watch the show to know what's good content. And I was right. So the first time he came on with me, and I think some people just thought like, oh, Rosillo's buddy and he talks him up and my friends are sick of hearing about him. And then they right. meet him and hang out with him and go, okay. Right. Like now I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we were lifelong friends. We met 10 years ago and Van Pelt was the guy. He's like, you got to meet this dude. He's my favorite. And I remember I had, um, I'd had my girlfriend with me at the Super Bowl at the time and uh, she wanted to go home. And I remember being so jealous because I was like, oh, man, I was a lot younger then. But I remember being like, Van Pelt's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm watching SVU on TNT or something right now in a hotel room, and you guys are out in South Beach. I'm like, this sucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I wasn't, uh, maybe I wasn't wired the right way uh, back then. But then, you know, we started hanging out more. I started doing this Water Boys dinner where I was hosting it. And then you meet Howie, you meet Diane and Kyle. Now, Junior, you know, you meet this whole family and you're like, this family is incredible. Uh, they're the best. And I, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to find. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's just, it's hard to find guys that are as good as guys. And it's not just that he's a fun guy or yep. his personality or he played pro football or he looks like Thor and all that stuff. It's that he, he cares so much about um, community. He cares a lot about things in this country that he doesn't like and cares. You know, he goes over to Kilimanjaro and next thing you know, he's building wells left right. and right. 
getting fresh water to people. I mean, he's the real deal. And then he came on the podcast and the guys at the ringer were like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, this right. guy's incredible. That's what I happened. Go, yeah, here. that's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, he should yeah. be doing, I even, I remember told some people, you know, some guys at ESPN, I go, when this guy retires, I mean, he relates to everybody, every, every single group of, of that you could put together, you know, it doesn't matter race, gender, whatever. Like you just, you get to know him and you go, Oh wow. I mean, he, the guy should be doing Monday Night Football, and if he's not doing that, I'm sure you know he could probably get a gig at Fox <laughs> at some yeah. point if if he wants. He, he's, he, he's that good. He may have a connection there. I, I agree. He, he was fantastic writing for us. And I'll I'll end the podcast by saying this: um, being stuck in a hotel room on South Beach watching SVU, it sounds like your girlfriend may have a, may have had a little Pam Beasley in her. That's a Pam Beasley move right there, making the making the boyfriend pass up <laughs> hanging out with his friends at south beach well i don't know uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know honestly though i think i think a lot of guys could if you get older you're gonna you're gonna appreciate those moments yes, watching tnt absolutely so all right ryan believe it but i was i was like 31 or two i don't know yeah you're young now you're more experienced and now you're at the ringer monday wednesday friday the ryan Russillo podcast thanks for coming on appreciate it Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. All right. My thanks to Ryan Rossillo. Very, very interesting stuff there on his departure from ESPN, now joining The Ringer. Appreciate him uh, coming on and uh, giving us some inside scoop there. That wraps up this edition of the SI Media Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and download. Great show last week with Rich Eisen and Chris Mad Dog Russo. Two weeks ago, Chris Fowler. So check those out in the archives. Subscribe, download, rate, review. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.